This is episode seven of season three of the Simplify and Multiply show. And in this episode, I will be interviewing Barry Banther. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. So I met Barry Banther when I started attending the Central Florida National Speakers Association chapter meetings. And at the time I was living in Orlando and I would drive to Tampa to meet with some of the most welcoming, friendly, just wonderful people that I've ever met, which is one of the reasons why I really love working with professional speakers. And so Barry, at the time uh, that I went there, was the president of the chapter. And one of the things that I love, love, love about Barry is his wonderful, friendly, like comfortable, easy, wonderful way of telling stories. And he has lots of stories to share in this interview. And since this is the season three and we're focusing on the power behind building a business of you, making it about you and all of the things that you bring to the table, he really shares some interesting things about uh, what that is and what that really means as far as translating into being a servant of your client's needs. And as he says in the interview, being obsessed about your clients. And I can't agree more with that. So I hope you enjoy this great interview with Barry Banther and all of his wonderful stories and really powerful wisdom on how to be a really successful solopreneur. Hey, Barry, thank you so much for being here on the Simplify and Multiply show. It's great to have you. Thanks, Terry. I've looked forward to this very much so. Yeah. So one of the things that I really enjoy about you and since I've I've met you in 2016 is your gift of wonderful, enriching stories. And you're such a wonderful storyteller. So I hope that this interview is is filled with more wonderful stories from you and uh, that you can share your wisdom with us. So thank you so much for being here. Now, in this particular season, we're focusing on uh, the business of you. So when I talk to people, everybody kind of has a different opinion about what that means for them. It's not not just personal branding. It goes well beyond that. And I know you and I talked prior a little bit about, uh, you know, how lonely it can be uh, when you're a solopreneur and you're building your business. And what I'd love to hear is, is a little bit about kind of how you got started in your work when you were initially getting into that solopreneur type of a, a capacity and how that whole experience unfolded for you. I'd love to hear that. Well, sure, Terry. For me, and everybody takes a different path, but my path, I was very fortunate to be serving. Uh, I served three different governors as their appointee to oversee all private higher education in the state of Florida. I was first appointed by Governor Martinez and then Governor Childs and then Governor Bush. 
and I was elected three times as the chairman of the State Board of Independent Colleges and Universities, responsible for about a hundred about a hundred institutions with over a half million students for all the regulatory oversight. I remember the day we were, we, I won't name the university, some people can guess it, but it's a popular university, private university in Florida, that was up in front of us, in front of our board for recruitment violations. And so I spent the day listening to all of the evidence and counter evidence. Did they violate their recruiting standards? Should they be allowed to continue to have a football program? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I can't do this. This, this is not what I was fashioned to do in my life. And so I remember telling the executive director, I'm not going to serve another term. He said, well, you're crazy. You're at the epitome of your career. I said, no, someone else can do this. I really want to work with individuals. I'm not, I don't want to adjudicate conflicts with institutions. So that's when I made the decision and let Governor Bush's executive secretary know that I wouldn't serve another term. And we began Banther Consulting. I was very fortunate when I began that I was contracted to write a program for another training company that had a Fortune 50 company they were writing a leadership program for. And my job was to write the program, and then I was going to train all of their trainers so they could then go out into the world and deliver the product. Well, it, the time crunch came, and their client said, look, we need this leadership training now. They were in the the, the, the client that I'll mention the client. It was Rockwell Collins. They were building the 777 aircraft with Boeing. They had some breakdown in communication among the leaders. They really needed to help with leadership training. So I agreed that I would go to the headquarters, train the CEO and his direct reports, the leadership team. Uh, we would have other trainers from this company watching via video, and then I would train them on how to deliver it. So we finished the two-day training program. President of my, my client's client, he stood up. He was thrilled. He said, we want the program. And then he pointed at me and he said, but he's got to come with it. And I knew then we had a conflict because that was, <laughs> that was not the original plan. But what it introduced to me, here's what happened to me in that moment. It's when I realized that my individual skills were enough, that uh, I'd spent my entire life with a team, a large team uh, at 20. I was executive vice president of a nationwide broadcasting group, had a great team. Uh, and working, obviously, on the state board, we had a great team. But that was my moment. That was my epiphany that this is something that I really can within myself do. And I think everyone who makes the decision, I want to be a speaker, I want to be a consultant, has to have that moment when they recognize I can do this. Now, for me, and I, I've shared this with you before, Terry, I think it's sometimes not so much like an entrepreneur. We've all worked with entrepreneurs who are taking risks, making investments, building something they can sell. That's, that's really not much what we do as speakers and trainers and consultants. We're a bit more like artists. I have a son who's a professional musician and, and spends you know, hours in the studio and hours practicing and hours wondering what he's going to do. And then the self-doubt comes. Then he has that moment on stage when the audience erupts in applause and they, they get what he's trying to communicate. So I think three things have to happen to us to discover that this really is our life's career. First, we have to have that moment when we recognize we're enough. We really do have the ability to help people. We have a heart to help and our life experiences are enough. The second thing I think that has to happen is we have to be willing to do the lonely, quiet work, which is mm -hmm. studying and challenging ourselves. Uh, I remember the day I walked out of graduate school. I can tell you what the weather was like. I was excited. I was never going to study anything again. Well, I'm 60 blah, 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 something years old, and I'm <laughs> studying more now than I ever have in my life. Wow. And all those things I learned those years ago, they were valuable then. They're not valuable now. So the second thing is you really got to be willing to do the work. We've all known people who had their moment when they realized, hey, I'm, I'm enough, I can do this, 
but then it kind of died there, like the artist who has one song and that's really all they have. Then the third thing I think we have to do is we have to make uh, the decision that we're going to become obsessed with our clients, whoever they are. If it's a consulting mm. client, if it's a speaking oh, audience, love that. we have to become obsessed with them. It has to be what's important to them. And that allows us to connect what it is we've discovered we can do and the hard work we do. Because if we just know I can do something, then that's kind of a one hit wonder. If we just work on that, then we may be missing our audience. But when we put those three pieces together, I know I'm valuable in myself. I know I've got life experiences that can help people. I'm willing to continue to do the hard work to understand what that means in our current climate, our current culture, our current economy, and that I'm really obsessed with my audience. I know how I can apply that to my audience. When we, when we bring those three things together, then, then I think we really move into being a solopreneur who can survive the loneliness, can overcome the challenges in marketing ourselves, and ultimately achieve the client or the end user's goal of what they're trying to learn. That's beautiful. I love how you put that. Uh, you know, and the, the part that gets me most excited is the obsessing about clients, because that's one thing that when I work with my clients and building their marketing and branding strategies is they focus so much on their own stuff, <laughs> if you will, which is okay. I mean, you have to figure that out in the beginning, but for me, I like to reverse engineer. It's like, what is your ideal client dealing with? What is it that you really need to uh, understand about them so you can be able to really deliver the best results? Because then they'll love you for life. And mm -hmm. that translates to exactly what you said, which is obsession, obsession over your clients, which I love. Let me tell I you love. Let me tell you a story about that. I had, a, I had that big birthday not too many years ago. And my wife said, what, what do you want to do for your birthday? I said, well, let's just go out with my son and daughter-in-law. My son works in our consulting practice. He's managing partner. And my daughter-in-law earned partner status a few years ago. I said, let's go out with them and our granddaughter. That's all I want to do. She said, well, I'll make reservations at the yacht club. I said, great. And we have a small yacht club here in Tarpon Springs. So she made reservations for six. Well, six o'clock, Janice is not ready to leave. And I'm getting a bit irritated. I said, look, I don't want to go down there and stand in line. And she said, just be calm. I'll be ready in a minute. <laughs> she, she gets ready and we leave and we, we drive up in front of the yacht club and there are cars on both sides of the road. I said, I'm not going in there and standing in line tonight. Let's just go to Burger King. She said, please, let's just go in. <laughs> Burger well, King. Well, you, you know what's coming. We open the door and there sit over 200 of my clients, the client families of the family and close to the hill businesses. I, were, I, was, I, was, I couldn't speak. Uh, and oh. here's, here's a table with this family. And, here's, and it's all the families. And they brought all the family members and they're at a table. It was just, oh. it was overwhelming. So we spent uh, probably my wife and I 45 minutes going table to table and thanking people. Thank you for having us and, and telling them how pleased we were. They were there and they were all excited about it. Then it came time for a, for a program and two young men who I worked with right when they were in college to come into their family owned business. I worked with their father before them. They stood up to kind of be the MCs of the program. And the first words out of the mouth of one of them was, you know, we've discovered something tonight. We were talking to this family behind us, this family business behind us. Barry's done for them what he did for us. We thought it was just for us. I turned to my son. I said, we need to break this up as quickly as we can. <laughs> because, because one of the things about being obsessed with them that I've done is I don't pre-print a lot of material or programming. I, I really do make it as though it's a house concert just for them. So mm -hmm. they don't get the sense that, a corporate consultant has come into our business and he's going to put his matrix down and we're going to adopt it, even to the training materials I produce. 
I produce them in a way that they don't look as though they've been mass, but they look as though they've been produced for them because ultimately they've got to accept what I'm trying to help them do for themselves. They've got to own it. You know, no, nobody washes a rented car from the airport, do we? We don't get the oil changed in a rented car. And if they just rent my solutions, then it's not going to last. So that event that night convinced me we'd done the right thing in being so customized, obsessed with every client. And it also reminded me never get them all in one room again, because they'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that wonderful? What a, yes. what a great surprise. Now, who was, who was the, uh, the, the person who pulled that all together? Was that your wife? Or? Well, my, my wife was a big part of it. My daughter-in-law, my son, and even some of our clients who had said they wanted to do something. So it's a night I will never forget. And, uh, and, oh. and it will do me for a lifetime. Well, you know, Barry, that speaks so much to who you are and the impact that you've had on so many people, especially since their families were there as well. Mm -hmm. So that trickle-down theory was definitely having an impact throughout many lives other than the direct clients that you were working with. So props to so. you. So when we talk about uh, you know, what it's like to be a solopreneur and in the context of creating your, you know, building a powerful business of you, what are some of the things that, I mean, you speak a lot on leadership and relationships. And one of the things that I always like to look at is when, when you're building your business and the way you're leading your own business says a lot about uh, the, the work you can actually leverage and provide for your clients. That's a very good point. And this is something I didn't come to until later. It's only been in the last decade of 30 years of practice that I've, I've come to this complete realization of what I'm about to say. And that is that, that it's necessary to understand what is, the, what is that thing behind what you do that may not be so evident. We did what was commonly referred to as a brand study a few years ago where we had our customers interviewed, why do you hire Banther Consulting? Why do you hire Barry? And to our pleasure, but also to our surprise, the answer we heard back was, well, we know we're going to be in trouble sometime this year, and we want Barry to be in trouble with us. And we had never, <laughs> we had never looked at it that way. And so, yes, I'm doing leadership, but I'm doing leadership from the perspective of how do you use your leadership skills to solve a problem? Mm. And so, so we've been able to find the hidden message behind why our clients hire us. Now for someone else, it may be growing the business or it may be understanding all the personnel issues, but you have to find the thing that the client values is probably not going to be what you think it's going to be. It um, never is. It's, it's yeah. never going to be the obvious. So, and when you find it, it's important that you don't necessarily broadcast it, but now, you know, you know, that's what they value. And so you try to make sure that you give that to them. That's what becomes important. Yeah, it's interesting. In my own business, I learned that lesson as well. And it's why I actually offer to do interviews of my clients' customers for that reason, mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, wait till I, <laughs> you think you know what they're thinking? Uh-uh. <laughs> but right. one of the things I realized was that people don't hire me for the tactical, the marketing, the branding, all that creative stuff. They actually hire me because they lack confidence. Mm -hmm. And they need they they may need those things to help kind of bolster them a little bit, but they also need someone who can see where they want to go and can stand in that place and call them forth and say, you can do it. Mm. And, 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 and don't you think that that enables you to, for lack of a better term, to sell it better because you understand that? Yeah, yes and no. And, and the reason I say no is because they in their mind, 
they're saying, I need a website or I need mm -hmm. a rebranding or I need whatever, right? Some mm -hmm. new marketing campaign because they're dazzled by the tactic. Mm -hmm. They think that they're not doing something right in their business marketing wise or sales wise, which is why they're either struggling or their pipeline is up and down. Mm -hmm. And so they go to a tactical, just like you want to hang a painting on the wall, you go get a hammer and a nail to put that painting up when actually you probably need to just, you know, paint the room, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, so it's something different. So, but once I start working with them and that's why people who don't know me, and, and I want to get to a question based on what you said just a minute ago, but people who don't know me don't have that, that, understanding of what I can actually really deliver. I Every right. client I work with are like, God, Terry, I never knew that you could do all this other stuff. I mean, you've helped me in so many different ways than I really initially came to you for. And I'm like, yeah, websites are my gateway drug. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I get to use that. But I really think that uh, something you said about um, when you're developing that personal brand and being a leader. So there, for me, there's like a gap, right? So it's like you had a point where people didn't know you. Mm -hmm. So if they're already coming to you and wanting to hire you because they're like, I'm going to be in trouble down the road and I want Barry to be in trouble with mm -hmm. me. There was a mm -hmm. point in the past where they had an experience of you. And mm -hmm. it was that experience that prompted them. Yeah, we got to get Barry Banther, you know, mm -hmm. get me a Barry Banther. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but let's close that gap. And where were you back then? Like, in other words, how did you get that initial, you know, creating that business of Barry mm -hmm. uh, to create that understanding that that's who they needed to work with? Uh, for me, and this is a very transparent story, NSA made that possible for me, the National Speakers Association that you and I are both members of. And this was well over 25 years ago when I was attending one of my first conferences and I heard someone, I won't name them, they're still very much involved in a wonderful member of our association, a great professional. They were sharing an experience and a story and it, it, it really resonated with me. And, and afterwards I'm speaking with them and I said to them, I said, that, that is so powerful. I said, I've got an, an opportunity coming up in a few weeks and I think I'll use that. And they looked right at me. He put both of his hands on my shoulder he said, if you never speak to me again, please listen to what I'm about to say. You have to find what the value is that you, you Barry bring. Mm -hmm. Don't borrow someone else's value. You have to find your own. And when you find your own, the clients will line up. They'll be there. And, and I've told him so many times over the years, you were so right. Because I left that meeting a bit discouraged. Because I, just, I realized that it's not enough for me simply to put together leadership principles put together a training plan or a speech based on those principles. I have to spend some time in the mirror and I have to look in the mirror and ask myself, you know, what is it that I'm good at that I can bring to the table and what is it that I need to work on? So for me, that, that moment when I realized that I've got to really become obsessed with the client and not me was when I was challenged by that fellow speaker, not to tell the story he told, but to find and discover my own. And so that, that began for me that journey of doing that. And, and I'm so grateful for it because now those experiences over 400 clients that I've worked with, I can, I'm able now to clearly know when I need to walk away. For example, Terry, for me in the selling process, and it happened this week, someone will call. We're very blessed that we get more uh, requests for proposals than we can do. And I say to them, I can't with integrity tell you that I'm the right person, but if we could spend a few minutes together, we both would probably know. So I'm sitting with this client and 
25 years ago, I would have started with my brochures, who I am, my qualifications. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's irrelevant. No one woke up this morning wanting to know about me. They've got a problem they want to solve. So I've really worked on the kind of questions I can ask that will allow that person to begin to discover their own situation. So I'm asking the questions and the questions are getting a little painful. We've talked for about 30 minutes and I'd gotten him to the place where he was well aware this is a problem that I have to solve. And he looked at me, then he said, okay, Barry, how much does all this cost? Which is a buying signal. Most people selling consulting would say, there's the buying signal, close the deal. But I, I, I've learned a better way to do that. So I looked at him and I said, in other words, how much is it going to cost you if this problem doesn't get solved and your management team doesn't get better and your family doesn't understand what the business means? How much is that going to cost you? He smiled. He said, well, that's cute. And I said, but isn't that the <laughs> that's cute? <laughs> I, I said, but isn't that the only cost that matters? Yeah. Because if I can't help you turn this team around and if I can't help you bring your family into the business, I can't be cheap enough to be worth any of your time. However, if I am able to bring permanent change in your management team and if I am able to help you build a cohesive relationship with your family. My fees are relevant, isn't it? Mm. And he said, yes, let's get started. Wow. So, so now you've got to live up to that, but the fee's no longer important because he's now identified that you're obsessed with him. He's obsessed with this problem. Help me find a way through that problem. And for my experience, that's where you're creating intellectual property relationships, whatever we do in this artist solopreneur world, you're creating that connection. We've been very blessed. We have our longest client has, has hired us month after month for 22 years. And we have many of them that have been 15, 10, 15 years mm -hmm. that every month. And with those clients, we don't have a written contract. We have a handshake. They can cancel at any time. Uh, we charge them one fee. And we're very blessed. That the, but, but we have to do our work every day. We have to continuously be obsessed with them. And my NSA colleague who challenged me and then the experience of those clients, that's, that's how I discovered that. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. This season's theme is all about building a business based on your expertise and what makes you, well, you. Why? Because that's where the money is. But here's the thing, figuring out what makes you distinct from everyone else is hard because you don't see yourself the way people need to in order to buy from you. Life is perceptual and if you're not communicating who you are and what you do in a way that your ideal client goes yes and hires you, you're leaving money on the table. A lot. So if you'd like help figuring out how to make your brand, your you, stand out, I can help. Book a free brand session with me by visiting pappychat.com. I'll tell you what you're doing well, but more importantly, where you may be missing opportunities to convert your target audience into paying clients. You'll come away with insights that will give you greater confidence in your brand and marketing. Book your brand session with me at pappychat.com and make your brand a slam dunk with those you're meant to serve. Book yours now. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-H-A-T dot com. You know, I, I love that story. That's uh, that's so impactful because it, it speaks to what you were saying about obsession with your clients, because that whole story, you kept the focus on the client, even when they wanted to talk price, which is really about you, meaning mm -hmm. what's your price, right? How much is mm -hmm. it going to cost? And you elegantly just shifted it back to them to show them 
the logic around mm-hmm. that, that conversation around, you know, it's not worth your time if it's not going to get you the results that you need. Right. Right. Turn it to a value discussion as opposed, you know, I'm, like so many of us, I've learned so much of that from Alan Weiss, but make it a value conversation, not a, not a dollars and cents conversation because people will pay a lot more for value and values helping them gain the value in their life. That's who I discovered I was. That's the problems I helped them solve. That's the opportunity I helped them achieve. I, I'm, I'm empowered. I'm inspired when I'm able to help them get there. So every client then becomes something of a struggle because everyone is unique. I, I have to be very careful that I don't take for granted. Oh, I know the answer to this. That's the very one I'll mess up. And no, I don't know. In fact, that happened to me at a very large financial practicing financial services company. If I called their name, you would know them. President called me and he said, I know you do leadership management development. We need it badly. Can you start next week? Fee doesn't matter. I said, yes, sir. Three weeks in, I realized what I'm doing, it's not going to hurt them, but it's not their problem. Interesting. I, I had to go back to him and sit across from him and say, like, oh, an apology. I, I jumped too quick. And I know you thought their problem were their management skills, but it's actually not. I now think it's this problem. So I can continue this program and we can complete it because they're in it, but it, it's not going to, I'm not going to be able to achieve the goal. So I'm, and I said to him, I said, so there's going to be no fee for this. This is my mistake to which thankfully he said, no, I'm going to pay you this fee and then let's work on the other problem too. So uh, again, if I make it about me and my, what I can offer and that's all I'm doing high risk for failure. But if I begin with being obsessed with them, who are they? Where are they? What do they need? How does what I've developed fit them? And usually the principles, communication, cooperation, being able to lead, manage your time, manage projects, those are the same. But then how do you connect them to their world? How do you get to know who they are? I'll give you a quick story. I've got a family. It's a a large family in the chemical engineering business, uh, almost 100 years old. I worked with the second generation to bring the third generation in as the president. And after a few months, the second generation third generation president called me and he said, I'm having a problem with my dad. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, he's showing up at the shop still 70 at this time, 78 years old. He said, he shows up every morning at five and he's down as all the mechanics are coming in to get their equipment and get their stuff. He's telling them what to do. And he said, it's causing a problem. I said, look, don't tell him I'm coming, but let me get up there. And so I flew up, went to McDonald's, got some coffee, parked my car maybe 50 yards away from the shop. It's early. It's about 530 in the morning. Walked up so he couldn't see me. Stood at the shop door, cleared my throat. He popped his head up out of a supply box and he cried out, oh, I'm caught. And I said, no, you're not caught. Let's sit down. And I handed him the coffee and he started to cry. 78-year-old man. He said, Barry, I started coming to the shop with my father when I was six, 72 years ago. I, I, I can't wake up and do anything else. Mm. Can I not come at least for a little bit? So I worked with his son and I said, look, let, let's work out a way where he's there, but he's going to hold back from telling them what to do. And let's work with them and help them respect him. And even if he's telling them, make sure they check back with you. Well, that's I never expected that with that client. I never thought that was going to occur. But if you're obsessed with your client, you're constantly looking at their world. What are they experiencing? And is there any way you can help them in that experience? And, and for me, that was, a, that was a molten moment for me to be able to help him continue to do what he'd done for over 70 years, yet let his son truly be the president of the company. 
And and I love both those stories. And what I'm hearing is that you're still providing a huge value because you're helping them discover a, their gap right. and and identifying it. And even though it might not be exactly in your wheelhouse or what you initially signed on for, the fact that you're doing the due diligence and you're peeling back and you're giving that compassion about that client so they know that you're really out there for their best interest they will listen to what you say and being there to help them figure it out, whether you're the one to provide the solution that's really the right solution they need or not is irrelevant at that point. Can I, can I recommend a great book? Yeah, please. It's, it's Willie Nelson's autobiography and the title of it is it's a long story. And uh, I love biographies. I read them constantly. It's one of the best I've ever read. And and if you're, if our, if our listeners know Willie Nelson, you'll love every page of this book. He is as transparent as he can possibly be. Now here's, here's a, here's a man who's unusually so had an unbelievable record as a songwriter, obviously from crazy with Patsy Cline to hello walls with Farron Young. And the list just keeps going on and on. And of course, all the work with, uh, with the outlaws. So he was asked the question, you know, Willie, you're, you're almost at the time you're almost 80. You know, why, why are you out here doing this? He said, I'm a songwriter. And he said, I'm a songwriter about experiences. He said, when I stop having the experiences, I have nothing else to write about. And Terry, that just flew in my face. I thought, you know, if I stop paying attention to where the client is, if I stop listening to their experience, then my growth ends and my value ends. And I'm stuck back mm-hmm. three or four years ago whenever that stopped. So for me, that was a real aha that if I'll just pour myself into the client every day, learn everything I can. Some of it will be relevant, some won't. But in there, I'll find my story. I'll find I'll find the song they need to sing and, and bring that to bear. And that's what they value. And so I, I think it's imperative for us. We have our lonely times as an artist and as a solopreneur. But then we have to have our times immersed in those clients, not just bringing our solutions, but listening and observing and asking ourselves, what if? Because we can do that for the client. And then if we can come alongside them and bring that value, we've helped make a lasting impact on their lives. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, it's interesting, given that this is the season of, you know, the power of the business of you, there's this nice thread around all that you're saying about discovering uh, these these three things that you talked about, but it's like finding your magic. I work with mm-hmm. Denise Pavernik and she calls it finding your magic. And it's like you can find it, discover it, but then you have to trust it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think you can have more courage to actually be obsessed about the client and not mm-hmm. make it about you and not make them wrong because they're not following your process or, mm-hmm. you know, how you want to kind of out of the box them. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you met somebody like, let's say a speaker came along who, you know, is maybe a few years in, they had a lot of expertise, regardless of their age, and they were starting their business of you, what would you encourage them to do or inwardly look to discover their magic, to discover that what makes them them so they could tell their own stories? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it begins with uh, examining your heart. And boys, that's a cliche, isn't it? How do we examine our heart? Mm-hmm. And, and I think to have lasting, I think to be able to sustain yourself over many decades in this business, you have to have a heart to help. I just think that's really important. Uh, a heart to perform is wonderful, but that'll that'll be fleeting. It won't last for long. And a, a heart to be seen uh, will be rewarded, but it won't be rewarded with repeat business. So you really have to ask yourself, do I have a heart to help? Whether I'm helping from the platform, helping coaching over the phone, helping in a consulting engagement, 
helping and listening? Do I have a heart to help? And then how do I nurture? And I would encourage this person to nurture their heart to help. How can they nurture that? And I think there's some, there's some unique ways that you can do that. But that's what I would encourage them to do. Now, they've got to work on their craft. They've got to be good from the platform. They've got to know how to create intellectual property. They've got to know something about business, about selling, and about finance. But what's going to give them an opportunity to do all those fundamental business things is understanding, looking in their heart, do I have a heart to help? And then in what way do I have a heart to help? You said it a moment ago, which was so insightful. You have a heart to help people with confidence. Mm-hmm. And the gateway to that is their website, which demonstrates to you what where their confidence level is. So you develop a heart to help and then discover all right, what is my unique value in helping someone and then building your speeches, building everything around that. I'll give an example. And in, 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 in when I give a speech, my, my typical prospecting is I speak at a conference of business owners. And after I speak, 10 or 20 will line up and want to talk. Five or six will say, we'd like to get a proposal. And two or three of them will become clients. And that model works over and over. So when I'm putting this speech together, I really spend time trying to find out what are the problems that this audience experiences in their business. And, and, and so is it a problem of succession planning? Is it a problem of vendor relationships? Is it a problem of the typical family business being undercapitalized? What, what are the problems? Then when I'm building the speech for that audience, I'm only going to use illustrations from clients that I've had who had those issues. I had a client once who had this problem, and here's how we had to address that problem. And the problem may be succession planning. And so I'm, I'm trying from the platform to give them something to help them right there. I'm not trying to sell them anything. I don't, I don't promote anything. But in that moment, I try to tell them a story, share with them how this client faced the same problem they have and how they overcame it. And I make the client the hero of that story, not me. I don't, I don't broadcast or promote what I did for them. It's what the client discovered. So I'm trying to help that person sitting in the audience put themselves in the face of that person so that when they do, uh, then that person will be able to say, you know, that can happen to me. Uh, I was listening to a country songwriter explain this, and, and I know I've made these references a time or two, but think about it. Two minutes and 45 seconds. What a story they tell. How do you tell a story in two <laughs> minutes and 45 seconds uh-huh. that, that can last forever? It keeps being told over and over and over again. But this songwriter was asked, where does, where does it start? Where does your story start? Is it you and the muse all alone? Is it uh, the inspiration that comes in the early morning? Is it sitting at the piano or with your guitar? Here was the answer he gave. He said, it starts in the audience. He said, I go sit in the audience where people are listening to other performers and I look around me and I ask myself, what are they looking for? What, what story are they trying to identify with? He said, and then that's the story that I write because mm-hmm. he said, that's what I'm writing for. And, uh, and so I think the same is true for us. I think the more we can, can, as a speaker, if you came to me and said, look, I'm speaking, I'm pretty good. I've got some intellectual property. Find out, do you have a heart to help? You probably can nurture it if you don't, but do you have a heart to help. Then what is the unique way you can help others? and then build the business around that, and it'll be sustainable for all your life. I love that. That's You've given so many pearls of wisdom uh, about this, and, you know, it really does all kind of fit together, Barry. And I love that, you know, that, that the center of it isn't that business owner or the speaker or consultant or what have you, the mm-hmm. solo. It's the client. 
And that's where all of it does come from. I mean, I shifted my, the model of my business based on what my clients really needed. And it's been the best decision I've made in business in the 13 years I've been working uh, doing mm -hmm. Better 3. And it makes so much sense. So uh, I, I love all this. I mean, I could talk to you for another hour about this. This is fabulous. But I love to close my interviews with two simple questions if uh, if you will, humor sure. me uh, as we wrap up. And by the way, I'm going to have a page uh, on the show notes. I can have all kinds of great information about Barry, uh, link to his book, all the information uh, if you'd like to connect with him and all that good stuff. So make sure you sure. check that out at simplifyandmultiply.com. So Barry, I want to ask you, what in your business would you like to simplify? That's a great question. I would like to, I would like to simplify the theme of my intellectual property. I don't, I don't want to be too complex here, but I love to write uh, my podcast and my columns and the things I do exclusively for my clients. And uh, I'm almost like a day trader with it in that I'm writing about <laughs> what they need right now. So I would like to write, I'd like to be able to write something a little bit more sustaining. That's I'm being very transparent about that. I've been very blessed that my writing is well received book was well received. But uh, I'm at that stage where I'm looking for that final theme and a heart to help may be that. So what I want to simplify is I want to simplify the message from the platform and simplify the intellectual property so it has more of a central theme. And the second part of that question is what would you like to multiply in your business? I would like to multiply the opportunity to encourage people younger than me that this journey is worth it. And uh, you're going to create a journey different than mine. You're going to face different obstacles and have different points of success. But the journey's worth it. And it really is worth it as you grow older. Uh, I, I know we talk all the time, and we should, about our financial plans. We all have them. And we want to be able to cash out at the right time. But I would like for someone in their 30s and 40s to realize this is a journey that can take me well into my 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. And it actually may be the most rewarding then of all. And, uh, and so that's, that's what I would like to multiply. That, those, are, those are two great, those are two really introspective questions. Well, that is the name of the show. So mm -hmm. we got to stick to our, our show theme. So uh, I love those answers. And I hope that when you get a chance to listen to this completed podcast, that it inspires you to find, uh, find the simplification and the multiplication that you're looking for. Well, and, and congratulations to you on, on being helping people with their confidence because those two questions reveal what they lack confidence in. That is a wonderful tool to be able to help kind of get it out there. Yeah, thank you, Barry. Well, it's been a true pleasure. I so appreciate your time today. I'd, I'd love to maybe uh, check in with you and have you on again in the future. I'd love to. And uh, thanks again and so glad you're here. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. 
That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.